Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And today, in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Craig Kashan, the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, pregame, postgame, and the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks, pregame, postgame, and a longtime guest on the show or co-host or whatever you want to say. So we are just waiting for uh, Craig to uh, hopefully come onto the show. Uh, we'll look at his contract and make sure that uh, that's a go. And in the meantime, uh, we'll just kind of hang in here and get ready to talk a little bit about the World Series, yawn, the playoffs, bigger yawn, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. So in the meantime, hang tight, and uh, we will be right back with Craig Kishon. Hey, everybody, we're back with Craig Kishan, as promised, and it seems like just yesterday, Craig was on the show, and he predicted the Rangers and the Diamondbacks in the World Series, and he thinks of the, I don't know what he thinks now, but I mean, what a great a soothsayer, a guy that could prognosticate perfectly, right, Craig? <laughs> I I would like to see uh, what was on the record back then, and uh, and how that got finagled into me being so so good at my prognostications, man. I don't, I don't remember any of that. Was I on your before? I I think we made our preseason picks and I, I don't believe that either the Rangers or the Diamondbacks figured into our preseason picks. And um, you've been AWOL for a while. So we didn't make any world series picks. I did. I picked before the playoffs began I picked the Rangers and the Phillies. Now, that's not exactly going out on a limb, but um, the, I thought the Phillies were the better of the team that, that made it into the Final Four. And once the uh, Phillies just pulled a Chicago Cub move, dropped the last two at home. Can you believe all the road victories in the in the last couple of years of these playoffs? I, I don't know. What's your feeling yep. generally? On the playoffs. It's been pretty remarkable because, you know, the Brewers went out. um, You you get into position in that first round of the playoffs by winning the division. And, and you get those two, you get the, you, you basically get the whole three game series if you need it. Right. But to, to drop the first two almost, uncompetitive like is that was a head scratcher to me and then you're right after that it just continued in every other series I mean you know the Dodgers turned out to be a bust and um you know I guess credit the Diamondbacks I I still don't know about this whole theme of um you know, get hot at the right time, you know, play well that final couple of weeks of September. Cause Arizona didn't. I mean, they lost their, they lost their last four regular season games to, and barely even made the playoffs. I don't know where they got their jolt of energy, you know, a day later when they traveled to Milwaukee, but, you know, they look good. And I, and I think the other thing, Jamie, is, um, the offense is, really been a key for for these teams that are winning here right now and just not the right timely hit winning three to two i mean we're seeing some runs on the board man yeah it's um yeah first of all you know it's 
it really isn't like the World Series that the the I remember, we remember. And even, you know, I went back and looked and they added the wild card, one wild card game in the 70s or 80s. And then it kind of slugged along. And then, of course, um, greed has been that element in all the negotiations and the work stoppages. And so the players get more money and the owners get more ball games and you get a watered down deal like you got, unfortunately. And I'm not sure how you fix that, but watered down to me has been the, the, the product since the Brewers swept the Cubs or whatever they did the last weekend of the series of the season. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you could go a hundred different ways with that, to be honest with you. I, I, I think, I think the playoff to me, um, I think I get, I'm more interested that the playoff field is expanded only because it makes the regular season last month or so pretty exciting. I think because you have so many teams that are still in the race. I think once the playoffs start, it, it, especially in baseball, it is, it is just a crapshoot. Um, and I think, you know, there are, there are a couple of things on that, you know, what baseball team realistically wants a week off before they play another meaningful game that, that I've, I've never understood. Um, but I, I think it ruins teams to be honest with you. And, and even, even in the Brewers case, I'll, I'll keep referring to them obviously because I covered them all year. You know, they won the division with, you know, about a week left in the regular season. The last couple of years, that's how they've two or three years. That's kind of, they've just coasted by at the end of the regular season. And then when playoffs come around, they're a completely different team. You know, you, yeah. you, you lose, I think in baseball, you lose that edge. And it's funny because I've always been a, a believer of momentum in any sport. And most people that play the game of baseball or been around it don't believe in momentum. They said your momentum is is your next day starting pitcher. And I I don't believe that when you're talking to 13 or 14 other position guys who hit every day. You know, yeah. I mean, when, when it was Kof- Koufax and Drysdale, I could get that. You know, when it's when – it's, um, uh, Burns and Woodruff, I'd sort of get that. I mean, I clearly you need two good pitchers to get to the World Series. And then once you're in the World Series, you wish you had a few more. But, you know, look at the uh, the um, guys that they, they, they traded for at the trade deadline with the Rangers and, and free agent Valdi. And then they got this uh, Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis at the deadline. And Montgomery's getting his brain speed out. And then all of a sudden... He's a he's like uh, you know Nolan Ryan. Uh, there's something you know. Somebody had said, "Well, why don't we like in the uh, division series where it's three out of five, give the team with the better record one game victory before he even started, so the other team would have to win basically um, two out of of uh, three instead of three out of five, and that." That's like a ghost runner. I think that's kind of stupid. Yeah. Uh, to tell you the truth, I think the wild card should go back to one game. 
I think the division should be two out of three. And then I think the rest four out of seven. And the guarantee to MLB would only be one or two games, but they're not going to give up one or two games. And no. that, I mean, like, you know, three out of five, if the team wins three in a row, then you've lost out on two games. I, I don't, I don't know. All I know is I read this morning that game one of the world series ratings was just a bit ahead of the ladies NCAA final four. Wow. That's I mean, if they had said the WNBA drew better than game one. Yeah. No. Um, and game one, the, 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 uh, the Cubs game seven in 2016 is, you know, what everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to be, a, have the Cubs in the World Series. It, maybe not you. <laughs> hey, if they if they earn it, I've got no problem with it. But, I really uh, thought the Cubs were going to stay in Milwaukee for six games at the end of the year. I was I so sure that they were going to. Oh, we talked about for for two or three weeks before the season was done. That's all we talked about, how big that last weekend was going to be and how ironic it would be if the Cubs were literally commuting back and forth every day to play all those games in Milwaukee for a week. And I mean, that would have been, been crazy. It would have been a tremendous playoff storyline. Uh, most meaningful one in years of anybody's uh, matchups, I think. Yeah. You know, here's the other thing now. With that balanced schedule, it's a little different deal. The Diamondbacks, who 11 teams had better records in the regular season, 11 teams had better records. And with the balanced schedule, they didn't have to play the Dodgers an extra three games. They didn't have to play the Giants, the Padres. They skated with those guys. They still, you know, they played the I don't know. I, I can't figure out what it is, but there's there's no way next year the Diamondbacks make the playoffs, in my opinion. No way. Why? Why? Because I just don't see them being that kind of a team. They're pretty they got they've got good young talent on that team though, and they do have good pitching. They do. And they've got a good manager, and I think the bench coach will probably be managing somewhere. Um Ironically, the bench coach managed the Rangers until he got fired, and um, then Bochy came in. It's kind of sad watching Bochy walk to the mound. Feels kind of like me, man. I mean, it's painful. What they shouldn't make him take out the pitcher, you know? Maddox ought to go out there and. That's hilarious. What what, man? I don't know Bochy real well, but I've met him a couple of times, and. Back when he was managing uh, the the Giants, maybe, maybe the Padres too, I can't remember. But um, it is amazing what a difference maker he is as a manager. I mean, yeah, he's taken three teams, three different teams to the World Series. All he does is win. He turns uh, franchises around like on a dime. Um, it's it's pretty crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it you're, you're right. It's pretty cool. I guess I it's think too. such a unique guy. I mean, nobody knows or remembers him really as a player as much as they'll ever 
they'll always remember him for what he's done, you know, over what the last two decades, yeah. you know, with the three teams and stuff. So interestingly, I, I found an old baseball card of Bochi and Dusty, and um, you know, they didn't Bochi especially. You couldn't tell that, and if you look at his rookie or second, you couldn't tell that's Bruce Bochi now. I mean, he just doesn't even look like the same guy. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then Lavella was interviewed and he, of course, is, uh, you know, he loves Bochi. And so there's no, there isn't any meanness there. He said, um, where Lavella will have like 10 different sheets of paper and diagrams and outlines and yellow stuff. And he said, Bochi looks at the scoreboard and makes decisions based on just what he feels. Well, none of this analytics, none of this. Here's what we do in this situation. It's okay. Here we go. So well, I mean, and, and Dusty did the same thing. Yeah, you know he wasn't. He wasn't doing. He he was wearing these rubber gloves and had toothpick in his mouth and is just going on instinct because he's yeah, been around. Well, he dropped the toothpick a few times, and I guess the dugout in in Houston are clean. He'd pick it up and pop it back and. I'll tell you what, he gets the same deal. He gets the same credit, or he should, um, that Bochy gets in the same, because he took the, you know, the cheating champs and, and turned them into a, a perennial powerhouse. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting, because he got hired, I think, just for one year, basically, to get past the the uh, cheating scandal and then ended up staying and getting them. Oh man. I mean, what a record. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, um, it is storyline. I, I love it that these, that these uh, old school guys have been able to, you know, not just succeed, but win championships. I, I just think that's awesome. I, I really do. And I, you know, I really like in comparison to that, I think the one thing that surprised me about the, um, that Brewers playoff, you know, to start this season or the postseason, I mean, is it, it really seemed like, uh, things changed, strategy changed, uh, the dynamic of the team changed, decisions changed, uh, compared to what we saw in 162 games. And that, that surprised me a little bit from the standpoint of, is it, is that analytics, uh, or, or what is really going on here? Because it didn't seem like what I saw was uh, just instincts uh, on the game. Um, so that, that'll that be interesting to see how this all plays out with – because Council's a free agent as of today. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. he's shopping around. And so um, there's, there's some layers to that, but um, – that, there's certainly no guarantees coming back. And a lot of people thought that he would either come back to Milwaukee or, or kind of semi-retire because he's, he's got two of his boys are playing on two different teams in the Big Ten in baseball. Oh, wow. He, yeah, oh, one's cool. at Michigan, one's at Minnesota. And, and I think he would like to see them playing. He's got two girls that are still in high school. So, um, you know, he's missed a lot of stuff and he's only in his mid fifties. So, well, I, you know, the, the odds on talk is him going to the mess, but that'd be crazy. I, if I were him, I'd go to San Diego. Who wouldn't want to go to San Diego? 
they'll give you a three-year contract, let you leave if you don't like it, and pay you like they did Melvin. Well, that, that was crazy. Melvin yeah. goes to San Francisco in the middle of his contract. I don't know. Well, you got to get along with people, man. You got to get along with the the guys who are writing your checks and the guys who are influencing your decisions. And obviously, in San Diego, it has been a it's been a rough road. It, it's too bad. I really like Andy Green, who got fired from the job as a manager and became the bench coach for the Cubs. And I think if he stays one more year, he'll be the new manager. If Ross happens to lay another egg. Uh, everybody likes him. I guess the book was some of the guys didn't get along with him because he wasn't tough enough on on some of the people. I, who knows? But there are only thirty of those jobs. I, I just, I, you know, I guess council could take take a break. But I, I don't, I just don't see him going back to Milwaukee. I think he's going to either say like I've done everything I can do there, or um, um, retire, semi retire, but. I just, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to work for Cone. I guess if you want the money grab, which doesn't seem to be Craig Council, you'd go with the Mets. Um, well, I think the thing about the money that's that's really the story behind that that's starting to come out most recently is him potentially advocating for higher pay to managers across the board. Because they really don't, most managers don't earn that much money. Couple, couple of million a year, maybe, and very few get to the five or six million dollar range. Right. And he would easily get that, I think. Um, well, you know, the coaches are underpaid more than the managers. The, what's that? The coaches are the the coaches are the guys that get screwed. So here's the thing, and I, I think that you know I think that that has layers to this too, and I think people are people around baseball are thinking that he is going to demand and command money from no matter where he goes, and then that standard is set. So you're so in other words, let's say you're going to pay seven million dollars for a manager. Does that manager have World Series experience as a manager? Council, no. Does he have uh, championship series uh, experience as a manager? He checks one box, he's been to one. Uh, you take somebody else like Bruce Bochy, what are you going to pay him when he's won multiple World Series? Right. Uh, and And he's at the, you know, what what are you going to pay him? Four million? Or are you going to pay him the seven million dollars? So I think if if council gets the high end of it, it's going to say this is what managers should be making, especially ones that are semi successful that have been around for a couple of years and taken a team to the playoffs. You know, me and you may not that may not we we may not care about that at all, but obviously in the industry it does. And he was a player rep for many, many of his years in Major League Baseball. So he's been through the circuit and understands about making money on, on expectations and experience all at the same time and, and being fair about it. So yeah. I, it, it may be just be he could come back to Milwaukee because the Brewers owner could match what Cohn's going to give him. And now now a level a new level has been set. Yeah, I I don't 
you know, you know better than I, but to have controversy on the lighter side of baseball, which we always strive for. And I took great delight with Nelly to just never agree with him. I don't think Antonazio any day of the week is going to match what Cohen does, number one, nor nor do I think he should. But, of course, we don't know what they might offer him. And number two, the job in New York requires, and, and I don't think Showalter did a very good job of this. I think Boone does a good job with the Yankees. Interaction with the press, you know, you know, council has a press. Everybody is required to have a post-game press conference. He's so bad, I think, at it. I mean, he just, he doesn't want to be there any more than Belichick. And he's hard to hear. And, and I don't think that he is entertaining. Now, is that a requirement of a major league manager? It would be for me that, look, I need a guy that can really, really smooth the press. And in New York, you can get a lot of press. Now, you know, counsel, I don't. I'm a fan. You're not. Well, you're a fan, but you're also a paid, paid superstar. I just don't think that. And I like, I, I like counsel. I think he's a nice guy. I've never liked his managerial style. He drove me crazy before you could have the rule with the three pitchers, three batters for each pitcher. And he does nothing but win. So, like, obviously, my liking somebody and their ability to succeed there there are very few guys that have the success of craig council during 162 games i mean i don't know who he's multiple division winners he's uh, the thing about it is they're they're like second or third in the national league or in baseball in in the amount of games they've won over the last five six seven years and yeah. But they still have not been to a World Series through all of that, too. So that could be eating at him as well. Is it possible or impossible to get to the World Series if you're managing the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah. And, like, when you're looking at the roster, who are you going to have on the Milwaukee Brewers? Are you going to have – obviously, you don't have Woodruff. You're going to have Burns for one more year, most likely. Possibly. They trade him. Yeah. And then and Woodruff's gone for the year, and you get Hater back. I mean, if I were the GM, that'd be my first move. Josh, you're coming back to Milwaukee. You're a free agent, and let's cut a deal that you're happy with. Um, that, and he's going to get like fifteen to twenty million dollars a year by some as much as us right now. Just he like you go, and me, he can yeah, he can go to the Cubs and make that kind of money. Yeah, they need a closer, but. But they're not smart enough to realize it. That, that's a that Jed Hoyer. I don't get what what he ever does. I would have signed Bellinger the next day. Now they're talking about Juan Soto, the guy that apparently just seeds nothing but malcontent through a clubhouse. Why would you do that? Um, here's Bellinger. Here's the Cubs deal. Not to get on the Cubs deal. Well, I ask you now, and in a carryover from Hater, do you think that? Uh, the lack of a healthy closer at the end of the season doomed the Cubs' playoff chance? The lack of a closer at the, when they broke camp, the lack of a closer in April and May, and the lack of a closer at the end of the year, yeah, it, it killed them. It, it killed them uh, repeatedly. And 
they were going to close by committee because they really didn't think they'd be a 500 team. And then this Azale, you know, who was a starter, all of a sudden gets comfortable in that role and they go, Hey, this guy's doing pretty good. We'll keep him going until we hurt his arm. But they, they never had a, a, a closer. They never had a slugger that could hit a home run guy. Um, their theory is if you want to play in Chicago, see you later. Isn't that funny? The guys that Contreras wanted to stay there, Rizzo wanted to stay there, Schwarber wanted to stay there, Castellanos wanted to stay there. Eh, see you guys. We're going to go spend twice as much money on Hayward and on Seiya Suzuki, and then we're going to still bring in. They're, they're insane. I mean, any Ricketts doesn't care because the uh, Tribune had it right. All they want is the illusion they're trying to win when they're really not. It's yeah, no, that makes sense to me. It, I, I would say that that, that franchise was uh, and it still is one of the more perplexing franchises. Them, like, almost choosing not to win, and then the Padres choosing to put all these guys together and saying that they want to win – but really, that's not how you put a team together the way the Padres did. Let's face it. And how many managers have walked in and out that door the last three years? At least three. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, Melvin did great with the A's. But is he really? I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell. But you, you're exactly right. I mean, even Victor Caratini. Why, why get rid of that guy if you're the Cubs? He's a great backup catcher. Da-da-da-da-da. Goodbye. Contreras, well, at least go. They had a chance to go get his brother. You guys grabbed him. Best deal of the off. Best that was the best deal of the season of the off. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I think the the Cubs drew like two point seven million or three million. They don't care. They have no closer. You're right. I mean, and and I wasn't that big a fan of Kimbrel, and I'm sure nobody in Philadelphia is a very yeah. big fan of that guy. But um, I just think that the way the uh, – here's the other goofy thing. The um, Instead of a play, a, a game amongst guys that are tied, you know, now they have the um, – whoever dominates in the season gets, you know, that breaks the tie now. So you play a team in April, three games, and you never play them again. And if you take two out of three and you happen to both get toward the World Series, you're the home team. It's right. just crazy. crazy. But well, I I still like the um <clears throat> you, you brought up the competitive balance schedule. And obviously this was the first year they've done that. I liked it. Um I do too. I, I thought it was interesting because the Brewers didn't play well against the Diamondbacks in either series. Or the Cubs. Uh, in the in the whole game of adjustments, uh, the Diamondbacks made great adjustments in the regular season against Brewer pitching, and I think that definitely helped them out in the in the two games that they won to advance in the playoffs as well. So the Brewers were two and six against Arizona, including the playoffs this year, and then, but can, on the other side, they go to Texas after not scoring more than, what, one or two runs in a three-game series against the Dodgers, go to Texas, sweep the Rangers, 
And it was one of these, uh, it was one of these series that turned the Brewers season around and put the Rangers in huge question because they had a, a month long downfall after that. And then look where, especially Texas ends up, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Well, and it's like, you know, it, was it the natural where they bring in that goofy psychiatrist and says, you know, hitting's contagious. And, you know, he goes into his, his uh, pep rally to the team, but hitting's contagious. Look at the crew. I can remember you commenting upon their inability to hit and how really um, dreadful it was. And then all of a sudden, they became an offensive juggernaut. Now, I don't know if that's because of Santana or because of, you know, Adamas perked up a little bit. But you guys were just knocking the ball everywhere in August and September. The Cubs dropped six out of seven of the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks made their living off of Colorado. If you if you take Colorado out of the picture, the Diamondbacks are just as bad as Colorado. Yeah, and that's that's what made it from a Cubs standpoint, made it so frustrating to lose to the Diamondbacks because the the impression of the Diamondbacks was these guys suck. And then uh, they kind of snuck up on, you know, whoever played them in September. Um, I don't know. It's it was a, in a you know, the Cubs had that last wild card or, the, or had a bunch of wild cards. All they had to do was play 500, and they didn't. And uh, they choked. You know, I, I don't know why. And so you, you know, the thing with the new the Diamondbacks, I noticed in the playoffs in the NLCS, they uh, Lavello had them very calm. I mean, one out to go in the in the game whatever to in game seven, and uh. You'd have thought these guys would have looked like a bunch of little leaguers, but they look like they're, you know, guys are going to rain. I mean, they look like nothing was on their mind at the end of the game. Yeah, but, yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting because I, I did see that the last team that was down, I think, three one in the World Series. Is that right? The Cubs in in sixteen. Yeah. So I mean, it, and it's very possible with this Diamondbacks team because they've done it. Um, they could do it. I don't look for it. So, heard it right here. I think it's over tonight. I think cancel Christmas for the team. Yeah, um, the Royals did a twice. They did it in the uh, in the ALCS in 1985. They they came back from a three to one deficit and beat the. Uh, um, and I think they lost the first two games at home, and they still went on the road took two out of three in Toronto and came back home and took game six and seven and did the same thing. Thanks to Don Denkinger in the world series, um, down to the Cardinals, two to nothing, then three to one. And then they came back and won it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't, who knows? I mean, I didn't think the diamondbacks would beat the Brewers. So what do I know? Um, well, I really didn't. I really didn't. The changing so, subjects, Frank Howard passed away. God, all these baseball card guys are dying. Which you know, um, Frank Howard, it's interesting. I, I just read a really good article today on that uh, because he, I remember when he was a, a Brewer coach uh, a couple of different times in the, I think, late 70s and, and maybe early 80s, but for sure late 70s. And he, 
course, he was uh, Washington Senator Slugger. Right. And but anyway, I, I would just the the uh, the thing about it was when he got signed his first baseball contract, it was with the it was with the Dodgers in the in I think the late fifties or early sixties. And they're, they're, uh, one of their minor league affiliates, of course, back then it wasn't like it is now with, you know, triple A, double A, single A. Um, he was in a, he was in a, uh, minor leagues that consisted of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois, like an upper Midwest league. And there was a team in Green Bay. Oh, wow. And he, started dating a woman there that was worked at the newspaper in green Bay when he first started playing there, ended up marrying her and then they had six kids. And that, that was his off season home, green Bay. Of all I was say that was his off season activity, but go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> six, he had something. Six off seasons. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, and then worked up in green Bay during the off season. And, and so he had all these ties to Wisconsin, wasn't born here, um, nothing like that, but ended up finding his wife and raising his family and stuff there. And, um, the other, I think I've told you this maybe, uh, a year or two ago on some of our fun stories, but I always get a kick out of this when he was, a a coach for the Brewers, um, he would come in to the ballpark, um, and if it was a if it was an off day or even it was off season, he would come into the ballpark to check his mail, and he would get in full uniform in the clubhouse, sit down at a table and go through his mail, and then he'd be done. And then he'd take the uniform off and put on his street clothes and and go back home. But wow. I guess every single time he came to the ballpark, no matter what, he put on his uniform, even if it wasn't game day. Which right. I get a kick out of because that, awesome. that dude got baseball flowing in every inch of his body's blood. That's for sure. So, and there was a lot of inches in that body. I mean, the dude was six, yeah. six, eight. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, well, I looked at his rookie card today because I wrote, I wrote the production meeting was more succinct this time than usual. I mean, we both, we both honed in on Frank Howard. Um, which is which is the like we should after the after the meeting Hondo, and Hondo. Interestingly, he was a teammate at the end with uh, our buddy David Earl Nelson, so they yep. were teammates in uh, Washington and in Texas when the team relocated. And interestingly, uh, our buddy Dave scored the last run uh, in the Washington senator's history uh, before the um, game ended prematurely. And Frank Howard hit the last home run in RFK for the Washington senators to put the team up seven to five with Nelly scoring on the home run. Now, a couple innings later with two out in the ninth inning, the fans stormed the field and the game was forfeited and even though the Senators were winning, they ended up losing because of the forfeit as the fans came on the field and started taking everything like Jay Stadium did. I think Davey only told me that story once. Uh, 
And I forgot about it till just now. So that was great to great to hear again. For now, sure. Interestingly, they get to Arlington, Texas, in the old Turnpike Stadium, which was just a dump. Frank Howard hit the first home run in our in the uh, new ballpark for the new Texas Rangers. Wow. Huh? There you go. So uh, I I remember this when the uh, when the Washington Nationals became a team. Um, they played their first two or three years at RFK while they were building the new stadium they're playing in now. Okay, and I was that was still my early days as as a reporter for the for the team, and so we'd go around and try to find some stories. And I noticed when I was on the field looking at this completely circular stadium that above the batter's eye they they had seats up there obviously for football when the redskins played uh, but not baseball and there was there was a um an opposite colored seat and it was the longest home run hit in that ballpark by frank howard and it was i don't remember exactly what it was but i know it was at least 520 feet. Unbelievable. Yeah. At least 520 feet. It was like in the last row and it was straight away center field over the batter's eye. They marked the chair up there. And, you know, I mean, that that's insane. So who else just picking your brain and your memory? Can you name a couple other guys that were as proficient, maybe not as often as Frank Howard, but could, occasionally in your years of watching hit tape measure home runs that you would have seen play or seen the ball? Well, the other one that comes to mind on marking a seat is, uh, is at Fenway and it was Ted Williams. I'm pretty sure who has a seat marked out there. Yeah. And that had, I think that's the longest home run in that ballpark. Right field, and you know if if you have or haven't been to Fenway, right the right field seats really slope back and and uh, and go high as well, just on the stadium structure. And um, that thing went. So I went out there and did a report too, and it was oh, cool. in, it's in the middle of the row, and every you know every Red Sox game is sold out. So I wedged my way into this row, and everybody in there knew I was coming in because. Every reporter for the opposing team goes in there uh, at least once a series. So here I wedged my way in there and um, sat in that seat. And when I look, honestly, I didn't think about this till I actually sat in the seat and looked back at home plate. And I could barely see whoever was batting at the time. It, it was so far away. It, it, it's, it's crazy because the two home runs obviously traveled similar distances but right. to see Landon in each of these ballparks, you know, it wasn't the there was no deck at Fenway, and so this thing just carried deep into the seats, and the structure of the stadium was very bowl-like, and you felt like you were a, a hundred miles away versus Frank Howard's straightaway center and probably the third or fourth deck up there in a stacked stadium, and so you're up there and you got like a perfect view of home plate. It's like, oh, this is great. This doesn't seem that far away, but then you're eight miles above sea level. It seems like too where that ball landed. So, wow. well, anybody yeah. else that you 
reported on from a lengthy home run. That's that's certainly we didn't cover that in the production meeting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> to be honest with you, the the longest home run that I remember seeing in person uh, when I was when I was working was Barry Bonds at at uh, in Milwaukee. At, at, of course, it was then called Miller Park. We have the panels and they were open at the time and he hit it easily three quarters of the way up in the, in the opening and, and right center field. And you, you just could see it just literally, I don't know where it landed outside, but it wasn't like one of these, Oh, he hit it up and over the stands like at in Pittsburgh, you know, at the Allegheny river, this thing probably would have gone over the river. It went so far if you, if you compare the two. So, um, yeah, he, he hit some unbelievable tape measure shots for sure. But that one I've never seen at our ballpark again like that. But think about this when Williams and Howard did their damage, they were playing with a, not a juiced baseball, not a ball that was not very tight and a ball that had probably been in play for two or three innings. They never used yeah. to get rid of the balls, you know, right. they would keep recirculating the ball. And so with an old bat and a crummy ball, those guys still were able to do those tape measure blasts yeah. and, and not a speck of analytics, not a speck of exit Evo or whatever, not a speck of launch angle, just good old baseball and old baggy uniforms. God, for all those times, bring well, it up. I think the um, I think the whole launch angle thing compared to what it is today and compared to how they hit back then is a key to why those baseballs went as far as they did. And, and you know, I, I often, you know, chuckle when we see these, that's the longest home run, you know, uh, and it's 434 feet. And I'm like, that's still 100 feet less than what Frank Howard hit. Yeah. And Mantle's yeah. measure blast. Yeah. He had a 565. I was at, um, God, I was young, but again, as I've said before, my dad and I used to go to a lot of White Sox games in the old Comiskey Park. And um, in a trade for Louis Aparicio, they got a guy named Dave Nicholson, who was just a home run hitting outfielder who, you know, played for probably 10 years in the major leagues but he could hit a bomb and he hit one. There are only four or five guys that have hit the ball out of Comiskey park on the left field side of it. And he was one of them. And uh, my dad's friend at the time was a Sox business manager. And they probably Bill Vec probably had six people working in the front office at that time. So Rudy Schaefer, um, who was around forever in the baseball world had to go out and measure it. You know, there was nobody else. So he comes back and stops and talks to my dad and says, that one went 573 feet. You know, it hit a, there was a playground behind and it bounced on the concrete and rolled and rolled 573 feet. The other guy that came to mind, although I don't remember other than seeing it on WGN, um, Dave Kingman used to just oh, yeah. blast the ball. Just Good blast. call. So those Good were call. fun. Well, who yeah. uh, wrap this up? Who do you think is going to win tonight? I'd be surprised if the Rangers didn't, but I, yeah, and equally, I wouldn't be surprised if the the Diamondbacks were able to bounce back. But I, I think 
I think with the uh, the two injuries that the Rangers suffered here before game four, uh, I think just the way they played last night, that that A is not going to bother them other than maybe to actually fuel them, you know, to wrap things up um, and, and get this done. Because, I don't know, they're, they're, they are awfully deep, I will say that. And they don't necessarily need Scherzer or um, uh, a uh, offense here right now. They're they're deep all the way around. So, yeah, uh, I'm just thinking when you were saying that, um, I was trying to think. I don't think before September first or September thirtieth. Um, and even though the Cubs played these guys a lot, I'm trying to think if there's anybody on that team I could have named. No. Well, what Gallon we, Gallon got the, a little famous with the All Star break. I think it was mid August we played the Rangers, and I had to do a lot of homework because I I did the pre games and post games for those. Yeah. I had to do a lot going into that series, just trying to figure out who's who. Uh, and it was before Max Scherzer was on their team as well. And they were, I think they had an injury or two. So it even complicated it even more, but I did not figure they'd be where they are. No way. You know that now that you say that the same thing with the Rangers, I mean, Seager. Okay. I I've got Corey Seager and even Sim, Simeon or however, even though he was with the White Sox, like, I don't remember him at all. And he yeah. made a lot of money. Um, they're gobs of free agents for the, you know, for our shows during the off season, of which I know there are going to be many featuring Craig Kashan's view on, on signing of free agents. But, um, our next, our next podcast together will come from Ward's House of Prime and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll do a Zoom call just facing each other, get Brian involved. And after a bottle or two of wine, it should be pretty fun. I I think it will be the most entertaining of all. <laughs> Hard to beat these, buddy. All right, take care. Good to talk. Always you will. A well, anything you want to close with? Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Now that uh, and Merry Christmas. Now that the uh, Halloween oh. is officially over, because everything is inundated with the next two holidays. So enjoy the next uh, two months of Christmas commercials. Yeah, and and Bears football, which is really exciting. The Chiefs and Taylor Swift and her exciting. Uh, that's the biggest news. The people that they don't even talk about Mahomes anymore. It's not Watson, Taylor. Not 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 into that scene at all. So, and the Packers are woefully disappointing. So, well, that's Wolf- the only good news of the whole friggin' football season. The Jordan Love is as pathetic as Mitch Trubisky, but he'll get better. And here's another thing. Who's the guy that uh, Avante, whatever his name is, he dropped about eight the other day. I loved it. I mean, there's no Packer that leaves Green Bay that I don't despise. So, hey, you know, know, we're not talking start a dollar. We're talking new guys. Uh, Yeah. No. Well, happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you before then. Keep up the good health. Keep up the good Work with the Milwaukee Bucks as they – how many games do they play the Bulls? That'll be like 
four victories. God. Four. four. Chicago sports can't get any worse. Really. The yeah, Bulls, they're... the Blackhawks, the White Sox, Cubs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bears. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go Brooker. Well, hopefully uh, the uh, series will go seven games. That would be fun. Yeah. And, um. Hopefully I can eat all my Halloween candy before the uh, end of the, whenever I start another diet. <laughs> we got a lot of leftovers too, man. Oh, baby. All right, buddy. Good to talk. Don't go away. Hold on. All right. And there you have it. My favorite guy in the world, man. I'll tell you what. He and Nelly got along so well, and it's so much fun to continue that little uh, connection with Craig. Just a great guy who... uh uh, I, I know he's disconnected, even though I'm still saying all these nice things about him. He's fun, and we are going to do a show from Ward's House of Prime. That'll be great. That will be fun. So uh, the World Series Game 7 or is not tonight. Game 5, the Rangers are up 3-1. to one. The Diamondbacks have a way of, uh, God, they got to win one at home, don't they? One and two at home. Oh, man, sounds like the Cubs. Anyway, who knows? Um, it'll be fun and, um, maybe it goes back to Texas and we have another game of baseball, uh, the crew, uh, including John Smoltz and Joe Davis do a pretty good job. Thank God we don't have to listen to Joe Buck and, uh, on Monday night football, most of the time you can listen to Peyton Manning instead of Joe Buck. And so if I never have to hear Joe Buck and Troy Aikman or Joe Buck and anybody, that's good. And I hate to end on a negative note. So let's talk about the upcoming sports memorabilia show in uh, November. I'm planning on going to that. I don't think I'm going to get any more autographs. You know, I'm getting old. I, I might get Jorge Soler's autograph. He's going to be there. Um, I got a Sports Illustrated cover that I guess I could have Pete Rose sign. He probably won't be very deal uh, very uh, sought after. Peyton Manning and um, Brett Favre are going to be there, but man, do I want to drop by a $120 football and then get a $300 autograph? I don't know. Is Peyton Manning worth it? Maybe. Maybe not. Kind of funny guy. So, for the lighter side of baseball, not the lighter side of football, the Bears have no lighter side. The Packers, continuing in a death spiral, is the only fun thing in this kid's Football, the Bears stink, Chiefs lost, Mahomes was sick, but that's it. So I'm going to sign off. Hope everybody had a good Halloween. Eat up the candy and uh, until our next podcast, which is going to be in a week after the World Series ends. Uh, we look at the free agents, Jamie Retsky for Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple iTunes, probably my uh, Facebook page if I still have one, and all the sponsors out there that want to get on the show. This is uh, Uretsky signing off on the lighter side of baseball. Get it down the middle, stripe it away, and we will talk soon. <laughs>